Did anyone smell anything smoky? Did you bring your jerky in again? <clears throat> oh my god! Uh, oh my god! Fire! Oh, fire! Oh my goodness! What's the procedure? What do we do, people? The are dead. Oh, how did that happen? It's out in the hall. No, we don't know that. The smoke could be coming through an air duct. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, calm. everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, 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 wait. Everybody, calm down. All right, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm your host Gus Manti. And we got another exciting one for you guys here today. We have Tyler Andrews, the guru, coming on for an interview. We're really looking forward to shooting some questions over to him and just seeing what he's got to say. So it's going to be really interesting, and I can't wait. So the other Muskies on Tap crew on tonight, I'll introduce them. We got Max Manti and Brian Eckel. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good tonight, Gus. Uh, you can probably hear it in my voice a little bit, just coming off of our uh, draft day weekend, celebrating Labor Day. Yeah, I mean, it uh, took a lot of energy out of me, had a lot of fun, but lesson learned this weekend is this old dog just can't hunt like he used to, man. I'll tell you what, <laughs> trying to keep up with you young guns was uh, was a time, but uh, yeah, I, I had a blast. You know, not unfortunately, we didn't get much fishing in, but that's all right. It was a good break gearing up for uh, what's going to be I think a very successful and fun fall so no worries there you know it was really hot this weekend better for kind of pontoon cruising and um, you know drinking a couple 13 14 beers instead of fishing so I hope all the people that did get out and fish this weekend you know had successful successful trips also very uh, happy to see our our good buddy Brian Eccles shining face here on camera always brightens the mood How's it going tonight, Brian? Uh, I'm doing a little bit better than yesterday. Pretty beat up uh, for the draft weekend shenanigans. And uh, it's kind of funny because we we tried to play it smart, kind of like all planned on taking it easy Sunday night, last night up there, and uh, be able to, you know, feel, feel decent come Monday. And uh, got on that boat, one beer led to another. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, ended up having another long night. So we're... <laughs> We're going to be in a good 48-hour uh, hangover rehab sesh, and uh, yeah, happy to be here. Hopefully, this will this will cure some of the shakes. Yeah, not that you guys probably care too much about our uh, drinking weekend, but what was the highlight, I guess, for you guys this weekend? Probably, I mean, it kind of has to be the same for all of us. We we have a, every year we do a 4-slash-5v-5 scramble um and this year uh it was a younger gun so gus and i um another one of our buddies and then uh gus's dad we were on a team versus max and some of his buddies and uh ended up coming down to the last hole we were all tied up uh max's group was in front of gus and my group and uh they ended up birdieing it and so you know we were basically one down we had to birdie the last coming in and uh i think gus hit it to like 30 feet uh, three of us missed a putt and, uh, our buddy shout out Cougs stepped over it, nailed shout a 30 out. footer to save shout the day out. and push it to OT. Oh, did he save the day? Uh, well, we, 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 we don't need to talk about OT, but that putt <laughs> in the moment was spectacular. So that, that was awesome. 
<laughs> that was a blast, man. Couldn't have drawn it up any better. Storybook. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Gus, what about you? I'm definitely going to have to agree on the whole scramble match that we had, but I don't want to steal uh, Brian's answer, so I might as well just go with the in-person draft that we hold where not only did I probably just draft some absolute dogs, but <laughs> also... Well, wait, also well, that had... wasn't your attitude after the draft. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. My team is uh, looking a little shaky, but at least... at least They, they got the dog dogs. beat down. I got some dogs on the team, on the squad, but I think the highlight of that was Papa Manti coming through with some uh, mid-draft sliders and mm. homemade queso. Mm. Oh yeah, and that was that that hit the spot that made it nice, or at least I don't know if it was better that we're having it outside when it was ninety degrees and a hundred percent humidity, but. <laughs> Yeah, those blaring sun. That little, uh, you know, draft snack of those sliders is a blessing and a curse. Um, you know, they're they're way too delicious. Therefore, I eat more than I should, and you mix that with some alcohol, and my stomach's just been in shambles the last two <laughs> days. But I don't regret any decision, yeah. and I took some queso home with me and had it last night, so I clearly didn't <laughs> oh learn my, my lesson. <laughs> oh my god! I just had some tonight for dinner as well, so. <laughs> Is too good to pass. Well, to put a, I guess to put a Northwood spin on the whole ordeal, it's uh, you know, not not that we were fishing this week, you know, we weren't fishing this weekend, but Northwoods, you know, does have more to offer than just uh, you know, some great musky fishing. Um, it's a great spot to just enjoy some time with some friends and family. So I was happy to be able to do that. You know, this league that we do is a lot of fun. It's a lot of people that come in from all over the map, and we had people flying from Colorado. People drive up from you know, all over the state of Wisconsin. We came over from Minnesota. So yeah, it's just a good time. I'll celebrate in the Northwoods and uh, yeah, you just can't draw it up much better. Um, but let's get back to some fishing talk. Gus, I know you were out today. You did a little solo mission uh, doing some exploratory stuff and um, you know, you had a really good week last week. So kind of give us a report on what's been going on in the North woods, uh, what we, what you've been seeing up there and what you can kind of look forward to here. Cause I know we got a big shift in the weather happening. I believe tonight we're recording here on Tuesday and things are about to change pretty big time up there. Yeah. I think the weather is about to drop by the time this podcast is out or, I mean, it's going to be like 50 degrees or 45 mm. or something like that, or maybe colder. I don't know, but the previous week, the week of uh, like that last week of August rolling into September 1st, the uh, the Friday starting uh, Labor Day weekend, uh, that was a really good week. We had uh, to start it off the last Monday night league night, my dad and I decided to roll to a brand new lake and just out of the blue and it it actually paid off. Um, ended up getting a 37 and a half to close out the year. As I know we did, we did not come in the placement that we wanted to throughout the year, but it was a little bit harder. You know, I'm very thankful that we did well in Tuesday night league, but I at least got that last fish to end the season on a high note. Uh, that one came along with a couple other fish seen, 
um, as, as well as one that was kind of pushing that mid forties that, uh, ended up stopping the blades of my bucktail because it was pushing so much water on the bait and trying to eat it hmm. that the blade stopped. And I went to like, I don't even know what I was doing. If I was trying to like start the blades again, and then all of a sudden this massive mouth just comes up five feet away from, from my feet and just blows up the water and turns away and creates this massive boil. And I'm like, Oh my God, I, I thought, I thought that fish was hot enough where it would come back for the bait again, but it, it ended up not. So that was a bummer, but at least got that one. And I think the, the Monday night had a giant storm, which the, the pre-storm fishing, you know, got that fish and it's phenomenal as, as always. I mean, in league, there was a bunch of numbers caught and then the temps kind of dropped last week prior to labor day. And there was one morning that I was out at sunrise and it was like almost a frost warning. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, my hands were numb for like two hours. There was so much fog lifting up the water, but the whole bite during the week was actually really good. We were able to get multiple bites per day and on few occasions landing multiple fish. And there's a few of some lost fish as well. Um, during that kind of gradual warm up, which seemed to get fish fired up to eat. But I know I was talking to you, Max and Brian, about how the feedback was just not there. We were fishing really hard, fishing all these good spots in and out of the major. Fish were coming in the major and out of the major, but there was like, I think last week, there might have been more bites than follows in total. Hmm. And it was just if you're able to capitalize on those bites. I mean, there's one day where we had zero follows, four bites, two landed. There's another day where we had one follow, two bites, two landed. And then there's another day where we had like two bites, two landed, and like three follows maybe. I don't know. They're usually, I mean, the temps were still kind of hovering in that like 68 to 71 or so last week. It's not like it was super cold, but it was surprising to me that the fish were just not following. And uh, I kind of suspected that to be a little bit of a push-up shallow. I think I talked about it last week, and it was definitely the case. I mean, all the fish that we're catching are, I mean, I guess kind of weed edge, but they are they were coming from within the weeds. I mean, about half of our bites last week were within the first three seconds of a cast uh two of them were actually splashdown eats and that is how we got those bites just like ferocious strikes almost reactionary strikes landing like way up in the in the weeds and then you know having the fish hit because it lands on their head or something yeah so i mean yeah it sounds like obviously it's a successful week i mean a few multiple bite days a few multiple fish days i should say I know you were out with some guide trips. You were out fishing with some podcast listeners, actually. And so, you know, I mean, it sounds like it was a really good week. I mean, do you think you'd attribute some of that to that first kind of real cool down? I mean, I know when I jumped in the water on Saturday, it was a little shock to the system. Um, I was surprised how cold the water was. Um, so I clearly, you know, it, it's kind of getting to be that time, shorter days, uh, less less sunlight penetrating the water. So 
Um, feels like it's kind of getting to be that time now where the fish are, you know, some of the bigger fish are going to start pushing in here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like a first snippet of the first cool down. I'm looking at the weather here now. And when this podcast comes out the day that Thursday's high is 57, low 40. Uh, I know that could probably change, but probably not too much. And, and we're looking like in the 10 day, only one other day. After that is going to be above 70. The rest is just, we, we got a bunch of rain. We got a bunch of highs in the sixties and even low sixties. So I'm is excited. Too cold? For... Is that too cold? I think it's going to be a shock at first. It might be like really good right away. And then it might put a damper on things. And then once it goes back to consistent, which it looks like it's actually consistently going to stay colder and as opposed to just like get hot again, I think that could be really good. So with what you've noticed with like some cold fronts throughout the year, or I guess in the past heading into, into the fall season, would you say like right away, this kind of like quick bite window during this cold shock, will they'll be reacting to, you know, loud, fast bucktail presentations, or do you expect them to be, on your pull pause rubber presentations or not till like maybe after this cold front or once they get acclimated, get on the big rubber. Ooh. Um, I, I think there's going to be that fast bucktail bite. I don't know if it's going to be giant bucktails or small bucktails. I'm going to mix it up a whole bunch, but I think that fast bucktail bite is going to come back. We got that in July. I didn't see much of it in August and I think it's going to come back with uh with the temps that we're getting you know i was trying that actually last week and we were getting pretty much 90 percent of our bites on pull pause rubber and type presentations and actually this morning um it's it's currently tuesday the 5th and it was hot really muggy really windy i tried burning blades i didn't get anything to react the only time I, I lost, I guess I got, I had two nippers and those ones that nipped were on medium paced bucktails. Um, I had some follows on pull paws, but they just didn't want to react to any. I mean, there was like about to be a little bit of rain. There was a good midday major and nothing seemed to fire those fish up. And I think I'm, was maybe out during either the wrong time or I was just doing the wrong presentations. And that's sometimes the bummer about going solo and just the bummer about, you know, it's I had three full days off and just trying to get back on the wagon and get the bite <laughs> going again. And I tried to do the last week's bite and it just didn't really work. So I think what was happening last week, um, I would just repeat it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to repeat that pull pause bite. And I know I've talked to you guys, but found a, not a new bait, but found a new presentation that I'm pretty excited about. Are you going to spill the beans or are you going to wait until when uh, we're talking about this, talking this winter until, you know, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> well, it has to do yeah. with pull pause and, uh, I don't know. Should I? I'll just I'll just spill the beans. He's using the brand new. I'd hold off on that one for. A few I think weeks I'm going to as well. I just realized that we're going to be using that presentation heavily 
in September. Um, I think we're going to use it in a different way in October, but right now it's like, I don't know, without spilling the beans, it's basically a pull pause presentation, but I can still work it fast and, and feel like I'm, I'm covering water and not, and I'm able to work it shallow. So it's almost like a best of both worlds. There you go. Cool. Well, uh, should we dive into the conversation here with the guru? Just popped on, so it's good to see his shining face as well. Oh yeah, let's get after. How are you doing? Hey, yeah. <laughs> guru, right. How we doing? <laughs> without 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 further ado, the guru 2.0 interview. He's back. He's back. We uh, you know, could have talked to this guy for a long time on his first appearance with us, so we're very thankful he. Wanted to come back on and chat with us, Schmucks. I know he's been able to finally spend some time up in the North Woods of Wisconsin, so we're pretty excited to hear about how that's been. So, Guru, how are you doing tonight, and how has your time been in Northern Wisco? Dude, I've been doing, I've been doing pretty good. I haven't done a whole lot of fishing, just doing dog training, getting ready for uh, for duck season. My dog's coming along pretty well. She's turned out to be a very, very, very intelligent dog. She picks up commands quick. But in the time I've been out fishing, I've been doing pretty good. I've, I've fished the last two weekends and uh, put a mid-40s in the boat. And then two casts later, put a 39 in the boat. Mm. Uh, had a three-fish nice. three fish weekend last weekend, nothing big. But it was just kind of fishing the morning for an hour, fishing the evening for an hour, just popping dinks. And it's been, uh, you know, it's been pretty fun. But that, uh, that mid-40s last weekend, the lake I was fishing is not very, known for anything big. So that was basically like catching a 55. That, that, that <laughs> pretty great. <laughs> I saw nice. a picture and it looked like it had some, uh, adulthood to it. It looked pretty old. So what's the, uh, what's the story on that one? Uh, well, I was, uh, I was throwing a, uh, a new Suic that I bought at a show from team Rhino outdoors. I think it was like, uh, it's like dew perch or something. One of those new screw and weighted Suics. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, I love Suix, but those new screw and weighted ones, they just run perfect every time. Like they're you, so good. Is that and, the uh the plastic ones, the new ones with the like a nine inch screw and weight plastic yeah, they got, ones? Yeah, I was using the nine inch plastic one. I've actually got a wood one that's twelve inches. And it, I both I got like orange belly perch in the twelve incher. But I was using using the nine, just like the lowest weight. And that was just enough to make it almost neutrally buoyant, but it would kind of like rise up. Like it'd take like 10 seconds to rise up to the surface. So it just like sit in their face. And for whatever reason that day, this weren't, they weren't hot, but there's this one cabbage bed that I like fishing. And I'm just like slow pull pause and just letting it sit there forever. And that 44 just came up and inhaled it. Hmm. I bet that Suk was sitting there in front of his face for wow. Just having to look at it and look at it, and then like, all right, I'll just eat this whole thing. <laughs> well, those are sweet, man. They run so good. I highly recommend them to anybody. They're very good. Don't buy yourself a bar fighter. These work just as good. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> I I actually have that that nine inch uh plastic custom weighted suit. I got it at the show as well. I think I got like the basic sucker pattern, just probably my all time favorite. And I only ran it just a few a few times this summer and nothing on it yet. But, man, you're, you're right. That thing is running pretty dang good, like yep. really good. I want. I can't wait to run it right now, actually. I forgot to add that <laughs> in the old uh, 
fishing update, I'm going to start running the crap out of Sioux. I've, I've been like neglecting them this whole summer, kind of just because they didn't do so hot in July. When that was your go to bait. Yeah. When they did baby. amazing last year. Yeah. Last year it was sunset and I just threw on a Sioux. You know, <laughs> no questions asked. Didn't matter the weather. I just threw it on. But this summer, I have been not paying attention to it. I love them. Diving rises, man. It's just uh, something about them. They're just, they always work. They're so always- what What were your other three or four fish uh, caught on? Were any of those on the Sioux as well? Uh, no, no, I changed it up. It was like uh, bright bluebird conditions, like 95 degrees out, super hot. But oddly, the lake was 69 degrees uh, mm-hmm. water temp. And yeah. uh, I'm just like, I, I'm kind of, as I've gotten older, I'm still young. But I just kind of, if the conditions are hot out or it's just crappy, I'm not casting. I'll just troll. So two of the fish were caught trolling, and then one was caught in the morning on a fat bastard. I was just trolling um, joining depth raiders in a color that's not made anymore. <laughs> uh, of course. Yo, yeah, one, one, of the, one of the old Lake of the Wood purchase ones. Uh, they, they don't see that color Dang. no more. That's why I run so, it. I want to ask you, because Gus, I think Gus's buddy had a story pretty recently of this happening. But have you tried trolling top water? Yeah, yeah. That's, Any success uh, on that? Mm, I think once. I don't know. I, I don't really have much confidence in it because, you know, you'll be running it on the surface, but there's so many weeds floating around. You just got to yeah. be cleaning baits every couple seconds. It's just kind of kind of sucks, especially if you're in Minneapolis or on like the Eagle River chain where there's just people are chopping up weeds all the time. It's kind of impossible. Oh, yeah, I've seen people do it. Absolutely I've seen impossible. People do it. I actually saw somebody this summer uh, row trolling two topwaters on a cold front, bright sunny, middle of the day. That seems money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was the dude 85? <laughs> uh, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Those old timers love their row trolling. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of work to catch a fish. Dude, no thank you. No thank you. I like it easy. Yeah. No doubt about that. Have you have you been able to fish at all in uh, Minnesota much lately? Or has it just been the northern Wisconsin trips? Uh, just some northern Wisconsin trips the last two weekends. Other than that, I have not fished Minnesota since June. It's just uh, – I, I fished in July with my friend Alex, but it's just – I don't know. I, I, I don't really care for uh, Minneapolis fishing, Metro Lakes in the summer. It's mm-hmm. just it's hot. A lot of boat traffic. The fish are highly pressured. I mean, that's kind of all Minnesota waters. They're highly pressured. But right now, now is the time to start hitting Minnesota waters. I'm going to Detroit Lakes uh, this weekend. Oh, this nice. Friday. I'll be I'll be curious to hear how that trip goes. I mean, I, I mean, still living in Minneapolis now. I think I'm on year six, and I still this summer I told myself I was going to get out and do some metro fishing. And I just, I mean, you're spot on, man. I. I <laughs> If it was cold or it rained this summer, it, it was wasn't for more than thirty minutes at a time. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. been hot. It's been sunny. I can't even imagine what like a Minnetonka or white pear has looked like on you know Saturday Sunday when I'd be able to fish. I mean, it's just probably a zoo. So I'm good on that. <laughs> you know? It's gonna it'll be brutal until we get that first or second cool down, and then the whole month of September and the metro is gonna be great. Then that, yeah, that's the time I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go fishing because I can actually have a good shot at catching something with a little bit more ease. Right. Right. 
All right. So, you know, you touched on Minneapolis. You're going to get out and do some fishing now that it's cooling down. I know at least for us three, when that weather starts, you know, dipping below that 70 mark and water temps start creeping down, it's our favorite time. Leaves are changing, which already has been going on in Northern Wisconsin. I thought that was a little premature, mm -hmm. but I drive back on Monday and I was, I was amazed at how much it changed from Friday when I drove up to Monday when I drove home. I mean, it's just crazy. So, uh, are, are you going to be able to do any Northern Wisconsin fishing this fall? I know you got some hunting in mind too. So, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts there? Are you going to be able to get out? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'll probably do some October fishing in the Northwoods, maybe a little bit, kind of rope in some duck hunting for the dog. Uh, probably just some, a lot of sucker stuff, a lot of trolling. Might go up to a, a cool sucker lake that is kind of tucked away and just kind of live up there for a little bit. There you um, go. I'll probably, nice. I'll probably quit musky fishing mid-October just because I want to hunt. Yeah, it's, there's just so much to do and do in fall. There's just oh, so much. It's hard to – you can duck hunt. You can bow hunt for deer. You can go musky fishing. Like, geez. It's way too, way too short of a season. Like, I, I think the ideal amount of fall would be, like, the length of summer, if possible. Yeah. You know, like, good four months because it feels like – in Wisconsin, you know, if we're lucky, we get like re a really good, like four to five week stretch at most until mm -hmm. it either gets, you know, because you, you know, that there's going to be some gnarly weekends that always snows in October. You know, we've kind of joked about that, trying to pick out some fishing weekends. We're like, well, close your eyes and, you know, whatever, throw it at the dartboard. One of these weekends is going to be completely washed weather wise. So <laughs> we've, we've uh, had mid October's where it's like 70 and sunny and you're like, you're sweating out there. And then we've had some where it's just flurrying in mid October and miserable. <laughs> so, so what, so like when you're going out for an October trip, you talked about tucking away and soaking some suckers. Is that, is that kind of your go-to way to fish in the fall? Just real nice, slow and easy, throw some suckers out there and, and enjoy the scenery. Depends on my energy level. <laughs> if I, if I had a, uh, you know, if I'm tired, I might just put a couple, take my dad out, put some suckers out and just kind of relax and talk shit all day. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I'm feeling a little bit more antsy, I might, you know, fish a suic or a glide bait on like a deep weed edge or something and, you know, drag a sucker. But, you know, I, I always have in October, I always have a sucker out. It's just, I kind of hate fishing suckers because I always seem to get suckers that are assholes. Are you and are you are you just buying these at the store? Like you're not yeah. going and harvesting these yourself? No, nah, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I I thought I thought we'd get some ninja tricks here for like barehanded sucker catching. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for that. Like, all right, you got to go to this stretch of river on the Wisconsin at this certain day. This time I do have night. a spot actually that I've seen <laughs> suckers spawn, and I'm like, that's a good spot to like net suckers. But I have so many hobbies and so much gear. I'm like, I don't need another one. I don't need another hobby. Start net suckers like farming suckers. <laughs> Train your hunting dog to catch them. Then you make some money off them. Honestly, she'd probably pick it up. <laughs> You'd have to get her trained well enough where she's just grabbing tails and not just t-boning those things. <laughs> Dude, she's she's a savage. I've been uh I've, I've seen been... those Instagram stories. She yeah. she gets pretty psycho. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. It's um I've been buying chucker pheasants or chuckers and pheasants and uh you just clip one wing of the flight feathers so they can't fly away. And I'll just chuck them and she'll just chase them down. She'll take her paw. She'll trip them up. They'll do a tumble roll and she'll just grab them. 
Jeez. She'll bring it right back. And dude, it's crazy. I, I love pheasants. watching those. Yeah. You see these pheasants just kicking her and trying to spur her face. She's like, I don't care. This is fun. Have you ever like not not clipped the wing enough and then you just bought a pheasant and off it goes flying? Well, there was I was trying to uh corral some uh chuckers and uh one escaped my hand and then just took off. My dad's standing there, he's like, That's supposed to happen. I'm like, nope. Nope, it took <laughs> off. And then I grab another one out of frustration. I grab the bat and it takes off as well out of my little parakeet cage I got. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, there goes 24 bucks worth of birds. <laughs> where, where where can you buy a bird for anyone out there looking to buy a feather? Oh, uh, you got you look up uh, like bird game farms in your area. I, I go to this guy. His name's uh, 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 Murphy Game Birds in Minnesota. The dude's guy. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know my name. But I'll promote him anyway. The dude sells good pheasants and good chucker partridge. <laughs> That's awesome. The funny thing is that my neighbor texts me. He goes, "Check out this part. These two partridges on my front porch. It's crazy that they're out here." Oh no! <laughs> I'm like, dude, those are farm birds. <laughs> <laughs> they escaped. <laughs> they had a recent jailbreak at the Andrews household. Yeah, <laughs> about to be my dog's mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, it sounds like if she was your main source of uh, uh, obtaining suckers, you'd probably just end up with a chum bucket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. After she uh, grabs a live bird, they don't last very long after that. They kind of just... Yeah. Have you had her out for any fishing excursions while you've been up north? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, uh, I've had her in the boat since she was maybe 12 weeks old. I, I mean, it didn't go too well for the longest time. She was pooping and peeing in my boat all over the place, but uh now she's good she's used to boats and we go trolling and go casting she kind of just sits there caught a few muskies around her. she likes to sniff them nice. it's Wait, not did, a bird she doesn't care did you guys did you guys see the video that was circulating on instagram i think it was a few weeks back a guy was solo fishing with his two dogs and one of the dogs jumped in the water and tried to eat the muskie when it was like boat side when he was trying to solo net it and then it this got a little off. tiny dog uh, no, I don't think I'd be so. Thinking of a different video. It kind of looked like the gurus. Uh, I I can't remember which. He had two dogs. I think he had a black lab and maybe a gold. And he, in one of them, jumped in the water and tried to like tee like into the, the net. No, no, no. Like the oh, fish fighting was fighting both, both sides, and the dog oh, was freaking out, and it jumped in the water, and then the fish oh, like what? shook hooks, and the guy was just like yelling at the dog, and then he just starts laughing, and it's like that. That's a that's a pretty damn funny video. Yeah, he's lucky he didn't set the hook then back into the dog, and you got a real mess on your hands. Well, I mean, I'd imagine like you know if the bait's like flying, flailing around out of the fish's mouth, and the dogs are swimming around trying to chase the fish, like that could be a real, real, real bad situation. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd have feel like having your dog in the fishing boat, albeit awesome, would be could pose some difficulties if it's you know a little rambunctious. That's amazing. I've had to train my here. dog a lot to not jump at, jump off the boat to get musky lures. It's been very, <laughs> a very hard fought battle, but I think I've won. <laughs> so, Guru, I may have mentioned this last time you're on. My buddy and I kind of want to do it where it's uh, a cast and blast, mm. where you go out in the morning, hunt, and then just go soak suckers. Is that in the game plan at all? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh yeah. It's gotta yep. be. I got my big dilemma is is there a good duck spot on near or on a lake with giants? Uh that's that's the thing I gotta find. If I'm gonna do that, 
I'm like, all right, I'm going to cast some blasts. I want to shoot some ducks and then go swing for the fences for a super tanker, you know? Just that see would what be happens. like an unreal day to have <laughs> that all captured. Dude, if you can somehow work in there, you catch a muskie midday. You shoot ducks in the morning, catch a muskie midday, and somehow shoot a buck at the end of the day with your bow. <laughs> That's oh, of a Wisconsin Wisconsin uh, fall day. <laughs> Dude, you should. We should put a name to that and see if you guys can set out and do that. I think if anyone could do it, it would be Gus and the Guru. That'd be one hell of a video. <laughs> I could do that, it. I could, I could do it on a lake that uh, a lake that uh, we have property on. I could do it there. It'd be hard, but I think it's possible. <laughs> I mean, I'd have, to, I'd have to get a bow. I don't bow hunt. I could go like opening weekend or something of uh, gun season to get a bucket like the afternoon or something like that. But I think duck is closed by then though. I think so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's a problem. Um, I, uh, I actually just sighted in my bow. I, I got a new bow, a bow sight and I'm sighting it into about 80 yards. And I just did this calibration curve up to 60 over the weekend. That stuff is tough, bro. That's tough. <laughs> that's that's I've never shot that far before. It's not easy. Does that take like a couple hours to, figure that out or yeah it takes a while that you're... you don't want to get tired because if you get tired while shooting a bow then you're making adjustments you'll start making adjustments for your uh like bad shots that you're tired and then the next day you'll come back and you'll be good and everything will be off so it can take a mm. couple days because i don't want to shoot tired i want to make sure my stuff's like accurate you know mm-hmm. so i have a i have a couple more days of work ahead of me to get it dialed but it's it's going it's going cool. good. It's kind of cool to see an air hit a target at 60 yards. Unreal. That is pretty far. That's very far. I've never shot a bow anywhere even near that. So it's I'm, not much of, I'm not much of a hunting guy. So I, I wish I could contribute more, but like what, I mean, how many times are you gonna be able to get out and, and duck hunt you think this fall? I mean, what, what's like a realistic, I guess, amount of times. I think uh, I'm going to get out opening day in September and then I have the musky battle end of September. And then every weekend after that, I'm pretty much going to get out with carbon in October. Going to go out to North Dakota, maybe end of October with some buddies, try to get some duck and goose stuff in. Cool. See if we can do that. Just kind of focus a lot of duck hunting in October. October is kind of the month for me to really duck hunt and goose hunt. That's dog will be well trained by then and give her, get her as much exposure as I possibly can. You uh, you mentioned the musky battle. If you want to kind of dive into that, we talked to Alex McLean a little bit about it. Uh, do you have a partner you're in it with, and kind of how competitive is it on on your boat? Uh, I have my uh, my good buddy Adam Flash, Mister Flashy himself. Is uh, he's gonna be joining me for the first time at the battle? It's my second year. It's uh, it's not competitive at all. It's just a bunch of people kind of hanging out, being like, "What's up, dude? You want to be friends?" And just kind of <laughs> everyone's real chill. It's great, Alex. Alex and those guys built a very friendly, a friendly battle. Like everybody's awesome. Nobody's just like out, out for themselves. Everyone's willing to share information. I mean, there's people there that I followed for years that I'm like, man, they're probably just like, they're gonna be super secretive. And they're just like, no, I'll just tell you all about this spot. All about this. I'm like, this is crazy. You don't, it's not normal. in you know, the musk industry, it's that's cool. They built something really awesome. Like they're all genuine good human beings. That's exactly what Alex is telling us. Sounds like a blast. I know you guys usually is it in Bemidji again? 
Bemidji, yeah, it's right in Bemidji. Um, I, I'm blanking on a lodge, but it's right on Bemidji Lake. Yeah, that's it's always a good time. Unfortunately, this year I can't swing the five days. I only could be there three with uh, vacation. I've gone on too many hunting and fishing trips this year. <laughs> it's, it's, Sounds miserable. It's yeah. a shame. It's a shame. Fall is right after summer because I'm I'm right there with you. It's like you use up all this time during summer because you want to enjoy it. We only get it for a few months, and then fall t- comes around. You're like. I don't want to do anything besides just be outside and hunt and fish and, you know, do all that stuff. So, yeah, we also got to thank you for, you know, hooking us up with Alex. We had an awesome time with him. Um, He's a great dude. Catches some fish. That's for sure. (laughs) Oh, dude. Alex is great. He's a fantastic human being and a fantastic angler. He's a, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's good. He was good shit. Um, So yeah, you said is the, I don't know if you touched on this, um, but do you have to like film for the musky battle at all? Or is it not, is it not like that either anymore? You just kind of go up there, you do your thing and you guys drink at night and hang out and swap stories. Uh, I believe we still have to film. Um, it's nice for me. I only run one camera, just the hat cam. And Sorry, my dog's being loud. Uh, <laughs> Feed my bird. Yeah. She's in her, I put her in her crate. So she wouldn't harass me and she's agitated. But, uh, yeah, it, you just kind of have you have to film. Um, you can submit stuff. You submit stuff. Jeez. Hey, Carbon, chill. Uh, you just, you know, you submit stuff. There's kind of like a, uh, a musky battle Instagram that they'll post stuff from everybody, but then everyone kind of posts their own thing. It's pretty, it's, dude, it's a fun time. You film during the day. You see how everyone's doing. It's like a live update thing on uh, the battle group chat. And then you come back, you eat good food, and then you drink a bunch of beer and, and whiskey and stuff. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, it'd be fun to do it up at a place like Bemidji, too, because I'm sure, I mean, with those lakes, like, obviously you have a shot at a massive fish. So it's got to be fun to get up there and just, like, you know, when you have that many boats on that good of a water, like, something cool is going to happen regardless whether it happens in your boat or not. You're going to hear something pretty sweet that weekend, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you know, it's nice this year we're doing it in September, end of September, which September up there is awesome. Instead of last year, I think it was close to end of October or close to end of October. So it was a little bit, I don't know, we got to kind of got like an Indian summer thing going on. So it was tough to, uh, tough to get a good bite, but fish were caught. I think this year is going to be a banger year. Yeah. No, that's going to set up really well. I mean, we, we just got Gus and I just got back from Vermilion a few weeks ago. So we finally just got our first taste of like real Minnesota fishing. And um yeah, that was uh that was a little bit of a wake up call. <laughs> you guys got a got a big dog though. I saw saw on Instagram. I've been on Instagram a whole lot, but that was a big fish. How big was that? Uh it ended up going forty eight and three quarters. I, I think I was in too much of a panic to really try to stretch it too much which looking back was a little bit of a regret not trying to get it to that 49 i mean i don't know if it would have gotten 49 but it was a big finish it was uh i mean we don't need to rehash it because we spent a lot of time on our last pod talking about it but it was a pretty cool pretty cool fish for us i mean it came at a really really opportune time in that tournament and you know we were we were kind of fighting for our lives there for the first few hours and getting a real taste of what vermilion can be oh, like yeah. and uh I mean, dude, we ended up having two bites that tournament and one was the 48 and three quarters and the other one was much bigger. So I, I'm pretty sold now on the whole Northern Minnesota deal. Cause those fish are, 
just a different breed. I mean, the first fish we really rose there too was like another, you know, upper forties, maybe 50. I, I have no idea. They just come mm-hmm. in, they look like white ghosts. You're like, what the hell is that? Thing? You know, they're following bucktails. You're just like, this is, this is madness. They're big. Vermilion is an ass beater, but some every once in a while blesses you with a big fish. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, uh, uh I can't wait to get back. I've I've heard them kind of gas up the the Minnesota fishing scene of Vermilion enough since it happened, but uh, I'm curious if if when you go for the musky battle, if you guys are going to be having uh, suckers out to play, and uh, if you've had experience with suckers in Minnesota in the fall, because what they're saying makes me think if you go there with the the old fall equipment, you you get pretty good chances of hooking into something huge. Minnesota fish, for the most part, where I fish, don't care for suckers. There are certain areas, which I am don't believe I'm at liberty to say, that Minnesota muskies do like suckers. But I, from what I've experienced and heard about, the majority of the waters, they don't care for them. For whatever reason, we use suckers the entire time when we were up on leech and uh, for the muskie battle last year. For five days, we soaked suckers, not a single snip. Really? <laughs> Yeah, is it from the lack of is it from the lack of sucker population at lake, or I feel like there's probably a bunch, I would think. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Minnesota fish don't like trolling either, so it's something. Those are two things that I'm like, what the heck? It's super strange. I don't know. Hmm. It's 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 odd. I'm sure some biologist has a has an answer. I mean, I feel like the trolling could be from overpressure of just anglers buzzing over fish's heads all day for like five years straight and then all of a sudden that class of fish doesn't need a trolling lure anymore uh mm-hmm. but the sucker thing is definitely a uh, interesting and why that just randomly doesn't work i mean i know we experienced a little bit of that uh up here in northern wisconsin but man i think like every single lake that i know of just has a massive sucker population mm-hmm. that at least is we it- sucker fish is it because a lot of those Minnesota, those big lakes have like a high Cisco population and maybe they're just keen in on those or? It could be. I mean, there is, there are some Minnesota lakes that are very good for suckers and people travel to them to go. But like, so you go up to the Bemidji area, I've, I've not caught anything. I'm sure they get caught every year, but it's not, well, it's not crazy. You can't, I mean, you can't run one if you're casting i feel like that makes it kind of tough too it like does make it tough because you know when you're in wisconsin you're casting and got a sucker out you're bringing fish in towards that sucker in minnesota right. you're only allowed to have one sucker mm-hmm. out and you got to sit there yeah that rule needs a change yeah yeah it does. <laughs> that's outrageous you got you got any uh you got any guru ninja tricks for you know if Cause we've like, you just described a scenario that like, I would say a lot of our sucker fish come on fish that we raise and then they, you know, peel off the bait and you're sitting there for like seven seconds. And all of a sudden you start hearing the line tick. Mm-hmm. Do you do anything specific? Like if you have a fish come into the eight and you know, kind of where your sucker is, I mean, do you try to guide that fish to the sucker or do you just, you know, kind of go off like, all right you know, regular scheduling program and we're not going to do anything different and then just hope that fish finds the the meat or are you actually trying to guide that fish to it? If the fish seems hot, I'm going to try to catch it in the eight. Mm-hmm. Most of the time I'll get it. But if it kind of seems sluggish, I'm going to, I'm going to do like an L turn right at that sucker and then just kind of 
keep figuring and keep redirecting them towards that sucker. It's it, it's kind of I just base it off the mood of the fish. If he's if he's crazy, I'm gonna try to catch him right there and now. If not, we'll try to see if he'll eat the sucker. And a lot of times they'll they'll eat it, but they'll just look at it for like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, we saw that when we got a live scope and we started using it during the fall and just watched so many freaking dumb fish come up and look at the sucker for like, <laughs> I mean, we we had this one, it was actually with Gus and Brian. Do you guys remember that when we had that fish come up um, on a sucker and we literally turned off all the electronics and we would just periodically check on it with live scope and we just wind drifted like almost the entire lake and the fish never yeah. ate it, but stayed on the sucker for, <laughs> what was it, like 30 minutes? I think we kept second guessing, like maybe that's not a fish. Maybe that's like some debris or something. <laughs> oh, it was a fish. One thing yeah, I hate brought... about live scope is it shows you how many fish you don't catch and don't see. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it drives yeah. you crazy. Yeah. Oh my god. I feel like yeah. in one of the podcasts, we maybe went into the blessing and the curse of that one top that one lake that we fished where you know we didn't get bites at all, but then having live scope were like there's fish everywhere. Like they're coming up to look at our sucker every 15 to 30 minutes, but without it for six hours straight, you, we wouldn't have, we would have been gone. We would have left that lake like a hundred percent. It like told us we're in the right area because I think we ended up fishing many, many other spots, put the suckers out, put the live scope down, didn't see anything. And we just found out like, Oh, they're not here, but they're in that spot. Whereas there's some lakes, I mean, I mean that one in particular is a new lake for us last year, but there's other lakes where, you know, there's definitely going to be times in the fall where I'll get the live scope out, check the sucker depth, turn it off, call it good, wait for that clicker to go off. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of test like the, the whole power down uh, strategy this fall. So I feel like last, last fall we, you know, maybe left the live scope in too long. And, you know, I don't, a lot of guys we talked to think there's some truth in that where the, where the live scope beam might make them a little skittish. So uh, I think you learned your lesson on that big fish last fall to just go power off all the electronics and just sit there quietly and wait. So if we get some that are following it on live scope for 30 minutes, just go ninja mode and see what happens. <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, it's the, uh, I don't know if you've ever tried this, Tyler, but I'd be interested to hear if you have or not. But also from that PMTT, I don't know if anybody, I believe it's the, uh, oh, I might, it's the it's the newsletter, the musky newsletter on Saturdays. What are those Mus called again? Musky Insider? Yes, Musky Insider, where uh, I think Josh Borowski runs it, and he was in the PMTT at Vermilion. And he talked about his, how his or third fish, whatever his last fish caught, to get him replaced into the top five where they went dark, quote-unquote dark, where they shut off all their transducers, which were just their down inside image, obviously, in that tournament. And then they caught it. And actually, I ended up trying that just last week on a guide trip. I went through a spot that I know there's a ton of fish. We had pretty terrible conditions. I mean, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, but I'm like, I know there's a fish here. If we're going to get a bite, it's going to be here. And I shut off the trolling water. I shut off, I disabled all sonar and I wind drifted. And then we had a hot fish in the eight and, and the client got it. Has that 
and that was like 10 minutes into doing that. Is that something that you've tried Tyler, maybe on like a spot, you know, super well that you're just like, ah, I don't need side image here. All I need is GPS. Yeah, I've tried that. I've had success with it. It's I've more noticed it with uh, live, like ever since I got live scope, I noticed I catch way less fish, even though like, you know, it's advertised you catch a lot. I have seen fish get hit by the beam and just straight up go screw this and turn straight around like mid retrieve. And I'm like, what is that? Do I just suck or have like a curse? And it's, I think they can feel it with their lateral line because it is a very strong beam. I'm sure mm-hmm. they can feel side imaging now because everyone's got it. But that, that, you know, panoptics and mega live, it's just kind of, it's so powerful that I really don't use it a whole lot. I maybe use it in June for open water and that's it. And then it's not even in my boat because I, I want to catch fish, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I barely used it since June as well. I mean, it's kind of uh it's an expensive open water one month thing that I bought. Now I don't use it again. I won't <laughs> use it again to like ice fishing. Maybe suckers, but yeah, I don't really ice care. fishing. I've I've joked around with Gus. I'm like the ROI on that is is starting to get pretty low. I mean, if you want to catch a shit pile of crappies, it it works out fantastic. <laughs> but for muskies, yep. I don't know, man. I think that they're getting a little conditioned to it, which I, you know, not that we're like we are, don't really have strong feelings one way or another but like it, it might be for the best of like actual just longevity of fisheries you know that they're getting a little bit more sensitive to the beam and maybe less people will kind of start using it you know stop using it a little bit more because yeah i mean we're i think it's starting to get pretty known because like when it came out people were like well this is going to be ridiculous i mean and i think there are probably times like you were saying you know for a one month open water bite it can be um, but I think it's, it's getting to the point where now a little bit more people are catching on to like, okay, just cause you have a live scope doesn't mean, especially Northern Wisconsin. I feel like definitely Northern Wisconsin, it's not the end all where like, you can just go out on a day and catch six, seven fish. Um, so, I mean, that's just my opinion. I, I just, I don't, I mean, we have it, we can't do it. So maybe we just suck at it. I don't know. For for us, it's been more of like a, a good, uh, ROI and the entertainment aspect on the boat. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just kind of fun being like, oh, let's see what's down there. And <laughs> it is cool seeing fish show up on there. So like, just, you know, being able to look at it, it's been fun, but in terms of like leading to fish, um, I mean, definitely a lot less than some of those open water Minnesota guys. Real quick, Guru, I want to get back to the sucker thing. So you said you like sucker fishing in the fall in Wisconsin. Are you, you know, is there a certain size sucker up there? We've we've kind of heard some mixed results. Are, are you pretty much, you're going to the bait shop, whatever they got, they got. You're throwing it on, you know, a sucker out. You're putting it a handful of feet down. You're calling it good. Or is there a little bit more thought behind how you're actually fishing these suckers? Uh, when I pick out a sucker, I want the blackest sucker that I can possibly get in the tank. Great tip. Right yes. tip, seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, I want the darkest mofo in yep. that tank, and then I want the <laughs> second darkest one, third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah. Uh, that's number one. And then two, nothing smaller than nine inches and nothing bigger than 12. Um, Sweet I spot. prefer, I like, I, I will take a nine and I will take a 12. That's totally fine. Sometimes what I prefer is two super black suckers. I'll run 12 and a nine. 
And uh, I've seen 35 inches eat a 12, and I've seen 35 inches eat a nine. And I've seen 45 inches eat a 12, and 45 inches eat a nine. I like oh, I like yeah. running both. And then uh, it really depends because muskies for me, you know, their heads, their eyes aren't on top of their head. So I like to set my suckers relatively shallow. So they kind of have to look up at them, maybe three, three feet down at most. Um, unless I'm marking fish real deep, then I'll get it down to them. But I have to see that to do that. Um, so if you're fishing like a real trophy water, you know, there's a giant, you don't get a little curious what a nice two foot sucker would look like behind the boat. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, if, if it's Northern Wisconsin, if it's Minnesota and I'm on one of the lakes that they actually eat suckers, I'd put a, a big gazunga out there, like an 18 incher. I've done that. Um, but Northern Wisconsin's, you know, I don't, they just don't like super big stuff. So, you know, I'm not going bigger than bigger than 12 they'll eat that i i feel like you're the you're the kind of guy i know we do this a little bit but i feel like you got some probably pretty good names for your suckers you gotta name them right i name them like dickhead one dickhead two <laughs> yeah. they're always dude they're always coming up to the surface and i gotta put like a pound of lead on there to keep them down <laughs> i knew it was gonna be something like yeah that 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 is no, that is like, it makes for a long day when you go there and you buy $30 worth of suckers and they're just flopping on the surface for most of the day. You're like, God, you're not, I'm just not getting my money's worth here. A trick for that, a trick for that is there's these bell sinkers. You can buy them at Guide's Choice Pro Shop. I don't, honest to God, don't know where else you can get these, but they're bell sinkers with a plastic snap on the top that with oh. like, um that rotates. So it's not like, stationary it's kind of like um it's got a swivel on it and if you get it caught up in like a log or something the snap just breaks and you lose the the little bell sinker which is fine you rather get the sucker back and the rig and everything but i'll take that and i'll put that right on their nose like a, you know like a one or two ounce weight right on their nose right in front of them and that keeps them down pretty well and fish still eat it they don't care mm -hmm. um but yeah it's a little trick if you want to keep your suckers down just I got it. I got another question then to get deep into the, the suck fishing here. When you're talking like you have a nine inch sucker, are you, are you loading that bitch up with two trebles and a front front hook too on the top? Or are you just going <laughs> one and one treble or how, how do you like, is, have you noticed any difference? Cause I know that we've, we've flip flopped back and forth a little bit. Gus has it very dialed in now, but when we started sucker fishing, I mean, we, we were all over the map on the types of rigs we were using. When I first, my first sucker fish I ever caught, uh, I just used a single, one single treble, treble hook. I didn't know what I was doing about a decade ago. <laughs> and so was my dad and that fish ate my sucker and then ate his. No and way. Both suckers what? in his mouth. Yeah. It was 36 inches. It was crazy. What? <laughs> yeah. There's a picture of us. It's like real blurry with a crappy camera, just like on our dock with this sucker or with this muskie. The thing survived, but it was like looking back on it, I'm like, what was i doing <laughs> just that makes me just want to throw a pounder the entire fall knowing <laughs> that a 36 incher wants that much food in 10 seconds that's a yeah, greedy dude. musky jesus dude, it was crazy but you know i've i've gone back between sucker rigs i've made my own i've gone through you know joe booker sucker rigs the leader sucker rigs they each has their you know weaknesses and each has their benefits 
I personally, right now, I always like, I like the Z leaders one and, you know, I don't know the guy uh, at all, but the guy makes good sucker rigs. The ones with like the two prong um, that, that is probably my favorite. You know, you, you, they're kind of staggered a little bit with the, with the single hook in the front for the nose. I personally like that. And then I always just attach like some sort of painted blade on the front of that kind of give it some wiggle or even take like a bass skirt and kind of put that on there. Just bring it down. So when that sucker yeah. wiggles around, you kind of got some flair and some color. How do you, cool. how do you get that blade on there? If it's already a, a, a sucker rig that kind of has the swivel on it. You can, just cut, you can just cut the top. Um, and then this, I always just retie it. I used to make leaders oh, okay. for a living. So I always, I, dude, I just retie it like everything. I know, I, I know all the knots or have all the stuff to crimp. So I kind of can just like modify stuff on the fly. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can do that. So you can just take, um, I, I'm trying to think what I would do. You can just take a split ring, honestly, and just put that on there and then just put a, put like some sort of stopper above it. Um, or, put it below a hook or something so it kind of has some some sort of flash from the fish moves you know everyone's got a sucker out there with the with the rig you kind of want it to stand out in my opinion something a little little different because muskies are curious you know yeah that's something i gotta try we've actually never tried the blade in front and honestly there comes a time where i'm like are they seeing the rig and then here Mm. you are you know just chucking some painted blades in front of it and you know, trying to get the muskies attention more. And mm-hmm. I'm here worried about like if the hook is above the fin perfectly so that it can't see it or, you know, <laughs> I need, especially on clear water. And I don't mean to like circle back a lot, but do you, have you seen difficulties in catching muskies on suckers in clear water during say, like, I guess the daytime, even if it's cloudy? I mean, I guess so, maybe. I mean, I spend more time on stained water and less on uh, clear when I'm in Wisconsin. That's only because of proximity to where, I, where I'm located. But, I mean, I've had great success on clear water. I mean, there was this one one day on, a, on the... You, you guys had a really good day on uh, that we were, we've been talking about quite a bit. I remember my dad and I pulled up out of that boat launch. We drove out past the weed bed. I rigged up a sucker quick, just slapped some hooks on them and just put it out and then got the stuff rigged out. And I was going to put them in a cooler and then just take off to the spot. And like a 38 just smacked it, smoked it right there. Midday, <laughs> high bright sun, clear water. I was like, Ooh. well, all right then. It's, I don't know. I Sometimes I think about it and maybe they care. And maybe some of the smart ones that have been caught that way see it. But then I'm dumbfounded by just like, oh, just some crazy hot fish in clear water just smokes it like midday, high bright sun where you can see like 15 feet down. You know, it's, yeah. I find with musky fishing that I'm trying to do le- more of is think less and kind of just like, okay, these are good conditions. Just go out and pitch, you know, it's, right. uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think we can think about it a little too much. And, you know, sometimes that even pigeonholes you. That's happened to me a lot. Where I'm thinking about it so much, I don't even know what to do. It's almost like I'm paralyzed. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that once or twice already this summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty much resulted in not much, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I I literally, 
Gus, we've talked about this, but I honestly think like, you know, we need to start kind of incorporating like some of our tournament strategies into just day-to-day fishing, because I feel like day-to-day fishing, we are thinking about everything. We're running and gunning. We're, you know, trying a million different things. And we've had success in tournaments by literally just dumbing it down, simplifying it, being like, okay, we feel really confident we can get a bite on this bait, you know, fishing this way. And we just mm-hmm. stick to it and we're really stubborn about it. And, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes we kind of overthink things when you're just out there for like full eight, 10 hour day, you got all this time. When in reality, you know, you might just have two bite windows that day. And if you just kept throwing the same bait, like eventually you'll get hit. Yeah, I don't know. Just a thought. I mean, I think a lot of people probably get in their heads. I mean, when you're not seeing anything for hours on end, your natural, I guess, guts telling you like, Hey, I got to do something different. Right. But in reality, you know, you might not have to at all. Just waiting for that bite window to open up. Mm-hmm. Right. And some days they're just extremely, extremely tight. I mean, especially the days that are high, bright sun and windy or calm, just those sunny days. You just usually are like, yeah, nothing's changing, but there's going to be a window. And that's where I have just fished literally spots over and over and over again until something gives <laughs> even if mm. it's with the same bait and then something eventually gives it's insane all right so so i gotta ask i mean i, I don't want to be repetitive but uh for just for the people that are tuning in i mean we've kind of we've like as you know we didn't really have an agenda coming in tonight at all we were just happy you're able to come on and chat with us and we've kind of gone down this this fall path i think which is fitting because as you've seen the weather i mean it's gonna get cold and falls right there but if you, you know, one of the weekends you're up and you're going out for a fall day, like what are your, what are the three baits that you're for sure throwing throughout the day? You got the sucker rigged up behind the boat, but what else are you like, okay, these are the three lures I got to have in the boat for this time of year. Uh, prob- Definitely a suic, a red October tube and a depth raider. Probably join it. I, I prefer join it depth raiders, join it crankbaits over anything else. The joining crankbait for trolling or uh ticking rocks and then tubes and suics for you know weed edges and rocks as well depending on what stage of fall it is you know i'd probably throw in a bucktail but you know if it's like mid to late october i'm not i'm not pitching anything fast yeah so are you are you kind of keeping things quick not always quick but just like you know are you kind of fishing more traditional stuff up until turnover and then once turnover hits it's you know, kind of change the game plan? Like, what are you doing pre-turnover, I guess, in the month of September? Um, I, I mean, I'll just, you'll, if you come in my boat, you'll just see me throwing a suet or a tube <laughs> or, or <laughs> gotcha. maybe like a bucktail yeah. or something, you know, maybe a glide bait, um, like a hot tail glider or something or like a warlock. But mm-hmm. I kind of just keep it to those. Post-turnover, I'll probably just, I'm probably going to be slow trolling to be honest with you, I put, you know, some lead weights on, you know, like a four foot leader and I'm trolling like 2.8 miles an hour and mm. just slow That's creeping cool. along the lake and smoking fish. If I'm, if I'm fishing and not hunting. Right. Yeah. I oh, guess yeah. they're all like fishing related. I mean, are you too like, you know, in September and early October, are you targeting a certain kind of system? And then are you switching to diff- a different system post turnover or are you kind of just sticking with the same same system and then changing tactics or how do you, how would you tag? So say like you were up in Northern Wisconsin for the whole fall. They just, they just made duck hunting illegal. 
Um, and you had to fish the whole time. I just can't. Oh. <laughs> I saw that face. Uh, very, very terrible hypothetical. But <laughs> until turnover, I'm fishing. Uh, so up until turnover on like the big lakes, I'm fishing a big lake with big fish taking big swings. Sure. Um, fishing weed beds, fishing rocks, fishing deep weed edges. Um, as soon as tour turnover hits on the big lakes, then I'll switch to the small ones and fish them the same way I was fishing that big one until they turn over. Then once they all turn over, I'm going to pick a lake with high numbers that have some mid-40s in them, and I'm going to troll slow because I just want to catch something that's cold, want to have some success. Sure. If I'm feeling really frisky, I'll go back to a big fish lake. But it's mostly I want to catch something when, when it's like 32 degrees out. <laughs> I think that's honestly really good advice because I think sometimes – we get caught up into the whole like, all right, it's post turnover. Now's the time to go to the big water, try to get the really big bite, you know, grind your ass off, fish in 29 degree water, have your reel freeze up, throw a pounder all day. Cause that's, you know, what people kind of think of like the late fall period. But I mean, I know Gus, like you had a lot of success last year, um, you know, in a, not a small, yeah, numbers lakes in the late fall, catching really nice fish and have an action for clients and yourself. I mean, it's, there's definitely something to that. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. There's big fish in number of lakes. Just, uh, you know, around that time, it's a good time to go for big fish, but I find those number lakes, like, you know, Gus, you were fishing last year. It's just, there's big fish there. You just, you're going to get yeah. more opportunities that time of year. It's also yeah. the time of year when that spot where there's like five 35 inches, there's probably a, low to mid forties hanging out within a couple hundred yards, not even of that same stretch. Cause everybody just hangs out in the same spots. So yep. that, that is something I definitely am going to do this fall. Now I'm just like thinking about it in my head and it's like, I'll try for some trophy opportunities, but I really got to get the, get the rod bent, <laughs> <laughs> the trolling rods and the sucker rods. So. Good call. Oh, fun. You I'm can, dude, you can you can eat soup and eat some chili and like fish at the same time. It's pretty fantastic. Hands <laughs> I agree. Hands free, baby. It's clean oh, yeah. living right there. Dude, I love it. I love trolling. People in my boat are like, I hate trolling. It's so boring. I'm like, why? I get to check Instagram and eat chicken wings. It's <laughs> awesome, man. It is awesome. You don't have to sell Gus and I. The Brian's the one you got to sell on. I'm not sure if Brian's even been in the boat yet for a trolling fish. I could be wrong. Uh, I have, but it was a trolling fish that came like five seconds after Gus threw the bait back. So I was like, oh, wow, that's nice. All right, back to casting. But uh, <laughs> I'll be more apt to, to troll in the fall because uh, especially on a Saturday or Sunday when we can pull up a little football game and just kick back and relax while the while the baits are cranking back there. Yeah, no doubt. I can't wait for that, man. This conversation's gotten me really fired up to go fishing. The I'm really fired that, up. But... Yeah, then like you said, though, it's like all of a sudden, like three weeks go by in a blur, and now it's 38 degrees and spit and sleet, <laughs> and you're like, oh. icing up on majority of the lakes. Yeah, it goes quick. Yeah, before, no, it does. But before that fall, I have, I have the end of the fall. Guru, I have another question about September. I know you gave your three baits and maybe some of the listeners, their three baits might be different. And I think one of them that I, I feel like a majority would say in September, and this is all I ever hear is top water. Is that hmm. something that you incorporate into September 
at all. I know people just love it because the fish are shallow, and if it's a shallow fish, they'll typically go after uh, a top water a little bit more. But what are your thoughts oh, yeah. on that? Blades and bucktails in September are awesome. They're fantastic for the shallow fish. Um, I absolutely do throw them. They just didn't fall in my <laughs> in my only three that I could that I could pick. True. True. <laughs> so I, I think I would incorporate them. I gave you the really basic bitch podcast question there, but I I just feel like you know you you like you'll randomly just throw out all these really good nuggets. So I feel like if I just ask you one question, mm. something good's gonna come out of it. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh man, yeah, Gus, that's that's a good point because. I mean, we've, we've, it's for us, it's been like, we've t- joked, it's kind of been the return of the bucktail for us this summer. Like we didn't really fish them that much two years ago. And for whatever reason this year, they've, they've done well for us, but I think lately it's been a little bit cooler on it. So I'm excited for that bucktail bite to kind of come back a little bit stronger in Northern I Wisconsin. Think, I think it should. I think it definitely should. I mean, the bucktail bites have been very few and far between, even for a while there, it was like, I'd have somebody, if there's three people in the boat, for sure somebody's throwing a bucktail, like all summer. But there's a time there, if it's one or two people, you know, if it, if I'm solo or if there's just one other person, I'm only waiting to throw a bucktail, like, the 10 minutes up to peak moon and the 10 minutes after. Like, that's when I think there's going to be a really hot fish. Otherwise, it was not really happening a whole lot. Paul, well, we got, um, what other what other shit you want to talk about, Guru? Hmm. I don't quite know. <laughs> do you have any uh do you have any like musky mm-hmm. trips already planned for next year that might be I mean Canada or or somewhere a little bit more special? I will be going back to Lake of the Woods. Um oh, I haven't been back in four years since COVID hit. You know, last Oof. time I went I went with Booker twice and then COVID hit and we we're just kind of done. We used to go every year together. I used to go with my dad too, so I used to go like three times a year and that that stretch of like four or five years was awesome and then i haven't been back in so long like i kind of forgot about it and kind of just ignored it and then this year my buddies went up and i declined to go um because i just didn't have time uh, with all my other trips planned and i kind of regret that because canada is awesome and i you know i i have all these great spots and learned so much about lake of the woods and what to look for that i'm just like all right dad we're going back <laughs> we don't know what lodge we're going to but you know, i think we're gonna probably try to keep it on the cheaper side not gonna have like you know all the hot meals and everything might just kind of rough it well that's actually i'm glad you brought that up because so we're we're we've never been to canada to musky fish we've done you know the just like the traditional fly-in lodge walleye pike deal which is a lot of fun but we we really want to plan a trip to either Lake of the Woods, Eagle, you know, some, one of those lakes up there. We really want to go to Canada and musky fish. So it sounds like you got some experience up there. You know, is there a time of year like you'd recommend a target if we could only get up there one time? Is there a bad time to go to Canada? Or, I mean, is there a better time, I guess, to, to kind of target for a trip? The worst time, I'm like every year at the end of August, Joe and I would go up to the Crow Rock area. Um, that that area, I mean, each you have to think of Lake of the Woods as like separate lakes. Each section is different during. It's kind of good during different times of the year. Like at least the you know the, the big narrows area where we would focus on mainly is not that great end of August. 
I've been there, I think, a couple weeks at the end of August, and it just sucks. It's a grind every time. But if you go to the Big Narrows, say, the weekend after July 4th, it's phenomenal. It's really, really good. Really good. You know, you're, you're catching, you know, you're having like a 30, 40 fish week. It's Damn. really, <laughs> really good. Jesus. If you know if you know where to go and know what you're doing. Sure. Um, I mean, the problem with Lake of the Woods is you drive 100 yards and you find 100 spots. So, yeah. you know, it's a lot of like, you know, surplus spots. You don't know what to do or where to go. You kind of just have to figure it out as you go. I remember, the, I remember the first time I went there, I was like, just daunting. I couldn't catch a fish for first four days because I just was like, that spot, that spot, that spot. <laughs> was it like mostly, I mean, were you mostly fishing rocks, stuff like that? There's a lot of rocks. There's most, it's, you're mostly fishing rocks on Lake of the Woods. There's some weed beds, all weeds hold fish on Lake of the Woods. Um, tree, there's a lot of good tree down areas. Those hold fish, but like good rock humps. There's these things we call garages, which are like cuts out of the, out of the Canadian shield rock that kind of sandy in the back. Those all have fish. Uh, all rock points have fish. All rock structure has fish. All islands have fish. It's just kind of, it's kind of crazy. You just you pick an island that's rocky and fish the whole thing. You'll find a fish or catch one. So do you typically just speed fish it through? I mean, like you said, you're getting distracted with all these good looking spots, but like to me, it seems like that's the only way to fish is just spot hop. And you're just going to come across hot fish. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you try to pick out like, okay, that's a wind blown point. You know, you look at the wind. Okay. These points are getting hit. These bays are getting hit. You know, there you know, currents. There's Lake of the Woods, by the way, has some pretty ripping current. So you know, like this area, it's kind of like a river. You know, like this area's got some ripping current. So maybe this point here is gonna be good, and then you kind of just run and gun. I mean, until you find some hot fish. I mean, now after being there, you know, going maybe spending like ten weeks on the woods, it's you know, I have a bunch of spots already, like a couple milk runs that you develop. But it, you just develop it by running and gunning, running and gunning, looking for the key stuff that's good that you already know that's good and then just trying it out. So what's, what's the deal with that current? Is that mainly like a spring thing or, I mean, even in the fall, like if it's been a dry summer, like you're still, it's still very noticeable. Oh yeah. All year uh, up in the narrows, there's this channel and it's like, they're like cliff faces and it's maybe a hundred feet deep and there is current just ripping through there. It's, it's basically like an ocean. Damn. And, um, you can see it. There's this one spot, uh, my, you know, my buddies and I, we call the vortex up there. That if you put your boat in it, your boat will start spinning in circles. <laughs> so the current. Oh, like, like one of my buddies put his ranger there and it just started slowly spinning clockwise, just slowly back and forth. <laughs> Jeez. It's crazy. And there's, you know, it's crazy, man. There's a rock right there and a big old fish is on it every single day. <laughs> so you're, you're keying in on like eddies and there's fish just sitting at eddies. Yeah, yeah, there's like eddies, but it's a lake with eddies. It's That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's there's, and you know, the crazy thing too is say you catch a fish on this one rock point Saturday, you should check it again by the end of the day and then definitely the next day because another fish will move in on it. <laughs> like they move, Lake of the Woods fish move quite a bit. And, you know, if one fish get busts out of there after you catch them, another one will move on in wonder if that's similar to vermilion at all because i mean the where i ended up hooking that really really giant uh fish that i still is a little hard to talk about um you know we fished that particular spot probably what would you say gus 10 12 times 
eight times. I don't know. Like every time we like passed it, we're like, let's just fish it because it looked so good. You know, we we knew that there was fish on there. We had moved a fish there pre-fishing, and but we had never seen anything like the fish that I hooked just out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you know, it's like that fish hasn't been there, or if it had, it you know didn't decide to follow any of our baits or anything. So, yeah, th- that, like that type of fishing feels a little different than what we're normally used to in northern Wisconsin. But it, it's a lot of fun. I I'd love to get up to Lake of the Woods. It I think it'd be a blast. So we appreciate a little insight there if we're trying yeah. to dial, dial up a little boys trip. You have to contact um my buddies the the Metro Musky Maniacs. They got they got a good spot for like group trips. And, like yeah, they trips. they've been getting up there a lot. I, I we follow them on Instagram. They've been putting a hurting on some Canadian fish, and seems like they get up there quite a bit. Yeah, they they uh my buddy Jaime. They got a I don't remember what lodge it is, but they got a good lodge. You should contact them. Um, I might go with them next year. They got a, they got a good spot that's pretty pretty reasonable. It seems like the almost ideal place for like a big ass like boys musky trip because like you could roll 10 different boats out of the lodge on any given day and you guys it sounds like you know you might not even see each other for the whole day and then you just see each other at camp later on oh yeah yeah i mean what i like doing is i like just i mean gosh i've caught muskies off off the docks at the lodges like you don't have to go far <laughs> like we've gone around the corner and popped the 49 you're just like okay what the heck i didn't and then, you know, like the day previous, you ran like 25 miles north and like <laughs> caught, you know, a good amount of fish. And then you come back and someone's like, yeah, I caught a 50 next to the dock. You're just like, <laughs> That's <laughs> I mean, hilarious. It's such a big, big lake. You're just not going to see anybody. It's, right. it's, it's a, it's a crazy lake. I, I personally, personally, you know, people like the Southern part of the woods. I've never fished it. Um, from learning from guys like Booker fished it for 40 years, the bigger fish reside in the big narrows and north and the northern parts of Lake of the Woods. There's big 50s everywhere. There's there's probably a 60 inch in every section of the lake. But Jesus. on average, what I've heard from all the old timers up there and all these old guides that the big narrows has the highest density of big fish. I mean, like all the musky schools are in that area, or if the musky schools are far away from it, they all boat up to the big narrows area because that's where all the, the highest density of big fish are. So um, like with us fishing it for the first time, hopefully next summer, I mean, would you say for us, like just consult with a lot of people and then go out there and figure it out yourself? Or would it be, you know, hire a guy to, for a day or two and do it that way and then have our own boat still there for, you know, the next few days? You know, I didn't hire a guide the first time we went. I've never hired a guide for up there. I personally wish I did because it would have saved me like four or five days of just scratching my head. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I know this is good, but like these hundred spots look good. And I'm just going to spend like five hours just picking apart like this hundred yard stretch and catch nothing. <laughs> you know, it. I think right. it'd be beneficial to get a guide for like one day just to kind of show you the ropes and kind of help. Like you guys are used to northern Wisconsin waters, and I'm sure Vermilion was huge. Like, huge. This huge. place makes Vermilion look like a puddle. <laughs> so it kind of like coming from like for me coming from northern Wisconsin, fishing a 200 acre lake, pretty much every day going to a million acre lake, it just screwed my mind up for a, almost the whole trip, where I just couldn't like, I couldn't like digest the vastness of spots. And I think it would have been very beneficial to have a guide personally 
that's what I would do. If I was going back, had to start over, I'd get a guide. Then, you know, figure it out after that for sure. So when, when you were trying to tackle this big body water by yourself, like you said, without a guide, did you uh, mess around at all with some night fishing up there or is it too sketchy to be out there? Absolutely at night? not. No way. dude. <laughs> if you night fish on Lake of the Woods, you have either big balls or you're dumb as shit. It might be a good video. <laughs> dude. Somebody, I mean, I think when we were up there, the second time I was up on Lake of the Woods, with my dad, someone died. They were out. They were out oh. boating at night, hit a rock bar that was unmarked, and everybody died. Yeah, all right, um, maybe not a good idea. Yeah, no. good, though. We'll take. <laughs> I mean, we'll I've been on one. the, I've been on the boat with Booker before, when he was boating back through. Was he's like, I know this channel very well, and he shut his electronics off. They were too bright. Oh no! And it was like a twenty minute ride back to camp, and somehow he dodged every rock. And I'm just like, well, I'm probably gonna die tonight, but at least it's with Joe Booker on like the woods. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Were you just like white knuckle in your seat that whole drive, or I mean, I about I about punched a hole through his recon seat. It was it was crazy, but if you're gonna night fish at night on Lake of the Woods, go all the way back to camp, pick two three islands and some rock bars that you can see, maybe auto chart them or go look at them during the day. Yeah, look all around them during the day for unmarked rocks that could sink you, and then go fish that at night. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm thinking more so maybe just pull the boat 50 yards off the dock and just start casting around your your little bay or Yeah. I would be like I've done some crazy musky stuff, but fishing Lake of the Woods at night, no thank you. I'm staying very close to very within eyesight of camp. Like I'm not yeah. I'm not screwing around because even though that's a very well mapped out lake, there are so many rocks that are unmarked. I mean, dude, you can be in 300 feet of water and like a pillar of rocks will come up to six inches under the surface. Jeez. And nuts. it'll be maybe, it'll be like a diameter of six feet and that's it. And it'll just go so, How the hell were you getting around that first day you fished it? I mean, were you just like driving slow, driving, driving super slow and yeah, you want to, so like a trick, a trick we learned is if you're going, you're going fast and say it's a hundred feet of water and stuff starts coming up quick. You stop and slow down and look around. Um, yeah, you want to, I mean, the map's pretty good. There's main channels on there that are mapped out really well that you can see on the Navionics chips. Those ones you can go fast in. And, you know, one thing that I do is each day I make a new, like, track. So one day it will be red, one day it will be blue, one day it will be green. <clears throat> and I kind of make my, my main navigation channels. And I know the area pretty well now that I don't really need to do that. But, man, when we were first starting, like, you're just kind of driving slow and you're following the main channel going fast. Then when you want to break off somewhere, you kind of break off slow. And then you kind of just build <clears throat> build your map and your safe trails throughout the whole time. Cause ripping off lower units there, man, that lake just eats them alive. Yeah. Yeah. So we've heard. But regardless, I mean, I, man, I, I can't wait to get out there and, and check it out. I mean, we've, I think this year more than anything, I think through fishing the PMTT and stuff, we've like finally started to get out of our comfort zone a lot more and, Sounds like Vermilion might have been a good like precursor for us before we go to Canada. Cause I mean, even that we, you know, our first day there, like it was really windy. We couldn't really see much of what was going on. And that's a lot of what we did, just driving around slow and hope that, you know, we're because we didn't have a replacement unit. So that's yeah, uh, you know, it's a whole different game. Not used to that in northern Wisconsin much. I mean, dependent. There's a few lakes, I'm sure, in northern Wisconsin that you can get into some trouble, but definitely not quite like Canada, I'd imagine. 
Oh, dude, it's crazy. Eagle, Eagle Lake's even worse. Lock Sewell's even worse than Eagle. Lock Sewell, yeah. I've never been there, but everyone that tells me about it says it's worse than Eagle. And I'm like, how can it be worse than Eagle? Because Eagle's bad. But, you know, <laughs> Lake of the Woods is out of out of the dangerous lakes uh, in Canada, Lake of the Woods is the safest. <laughs> I, I can't even picture like what Lock Sewell would be. Like it like Lake of the Woods sounded bad as you were describing, like do not go at night. But like, I mean, it's so foreign to us in northern Wisconsin. It's just a minefield of boulders. Lock Sewell, I, well, it's you know, it's it's kind of like a river system out there. So they'll just have stumpy. Float, stumpy. Well, they have floating yeah. trees, like full on like two hundred foot oak trees just floating out there. <laughs> oh jeez. So you know, like that's one place you don't even leave. As soon as it starts getting dark, you go home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. it's you know that's not and that's not a place I'd ever want to be out at night because Black Sewell is scary. You also got tons of bears up there, so you get stranded on an island, you can be stranded with a bear or something. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to go fist and cuffs with a bear up there. That's just that's <laughs> not not something I'm trying to do during a fishing trip. No, nah, that'd be a bad that'd be a bad guys week at week for you. That'd be bad. Yeah. I did a I did a good amount of camping out in Colorado and I lived there and you know that was enough for me trying to there was a few close encounters with some weird animal shit out there that I'm I've had my fill. I'm good. So <laughs> <laughs> had a had a, a, a moose or uh yeah, it was a moose that was in rut that almost took me off my mountain bike oh, uh, one time charging down the hill. Yeah, I uh I, I had to brake so fast and so hard that I actually went over my handlebars because this all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I saw this moose coming down the hill and it was in rut. Oh. Like, I don't know if it had me as its target or whatnot, but it wasn't getting out of my way. So he was chasing behind you. No, it was like, so the, the mountain bike T-bone trail was, was running, you know, um, like sideways on the, the hill, right? Like it was a switchback. Oh yeah, yeah. He's over to your left. I saw the saw kind of out of the corner of my eye something moving down the mountain, and I like look up and it's just a fucking massive moose. <laughs> it's a massive moose, and I I hit the brakes so hard I got so freaked out that I went over my handlebars, and just kind of laid there like, oh that was weird. <laughs> just the thing just kept flying down the mountain. It was nuts. That's yeah. insane, dude. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. I was out in steamboat and uh yeah, a few other close encounters too, mountain biking. I I used to mountain bike to work and you know, I'd turn a corner and there'd just be a big ass moose standing there in the middle of the trail and kind of just look at each other and hope he wasn't in a bad mood that day. Yeah, I mean it's kind of <laughs> lucky those moose were replaced with like mountain lions or something that like is gonna hunt you down. <laughs> I we did I did have a mountain lion encounter in Colorado camping. I was I was actually fly fishing really early one morning and I walked out. Uh, I was on a beach. So it was a big it was a big reservoir and it was like grass and then about 15 feet of beach. And I walked out and was fly fishing down the bank. And I was going down. I was kind of in my own head, you know, not really paying attention to much, just watching the sun come up. I turned around, start walking back to camp, and there was fresh mountain lion tracks um, over where I had walked. I took a picture of them. I'm like, these weren't there when I was walking this way. So that guy He's watching you. <laughs> he, he came out, took a peek. I never saw him, and he went back, went back into the woods. Uh-huh. He was just, he was checking out to see if I was a deer drinking water or something, and I called my uncle freaking out i'm like what what because at the time i didn't really even realize you know i was kind of new to the car i took a picture of it and he goes that you had a mountain lion come and check you out and i was like that's <laughs> really scary 
Did you you didn't have a gun on you or any sort of self defense? No, I was an idiot. I was in college. I yeah. you know, <laughs> even if I had a gun on me, I don't even know what I would have done. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, um, Guru 2.0 interview. I uh, you know. That is awesome, man. Can't thank you enough for coming back on here. Um, I know we're yeah. gonna have you back on, hopefully, like in the winter to to shoot the shit. I'm sure you got a few more things to get off your chest. I know we kind of talked about something we didn't touch on tonight that I think we kind of chatted about pre pre this interview. So we'll get to it next time. But just kind of the overall social media and musky fishing stuff. I know that you got a, a thing or two you wanted to chat about there. Mm-hmm. We can call it the state of musky fishing. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> We're, we're going to need some stuff to kill some time this winter. So I think that's going to be a pretty fun episode. And, you know, right now um, I was joking with Brian and Gus before we came on, you know, like we're pretty new to kind of putting ourselves out there in quotes, you know, to the, the musky world doing the podcast and kind of having some pictures and stuff from tournament fishing and, and whatnot. And, you know, luckily we've kind of skated through with, with minimal uh, hate besides uh, what's the, what's the comment we have on our, apple podcast i think it's our only review actually and it's just the guy and it says end it (laughs) just end it that's his review (laughs) that's his review it's like ranger killer 213 or something that's Um, fantastic shout out that guy yeah um you know but like i said you know we've been really lucky we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from people but i know that there's definitely another side to the uh, the socials and and fishing and whatnot, and you know someone like yourself who's kind of also been in the, you know I don't know would you say spotlight quote unquote or whatever, but you know you you definitely have put yourself out there as well in the, the social media world, so I'm sure you've kind of dealt with all of it. It's um it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I haven't actually received like any hate whatsoever. Maybe because people just I don't know think i'm a genuine guy or whatever but i've definitely seen it and uh experienced um maybe in-person hate or in-person uh bs and that's something that i'd love to talk about in the future for sure yeah well we'll we'll dive into that uh well like you said we'll call it the state of musky fishing so you guys will have to stay tuned for that one i'm sure that'll be like a on a chilly November night or something, maybe we'll dial you up and we'll let you just, we'll let you go. I love it. All right, man. Well, we can't thank you enough. Brian, Gus, you got it. You got anything else? No, not a whole lot. I appreciate you coming on tonight. Always fun to chat with you for a bit. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing carbon a little bit more on your Instagram stories, chasing down wounded, wounded birds. Oh yeah, dude. It's been a blast talking to you guys. She'll be up there. She's actually right here in my face. You can see her. She's right there. There she is. Hey Carbon. Hey Carbin. She's harassing me because she wants she wants to play with dad while you know he's talking. Is she giving you more than like five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep a night? Uh, I'm getting more sleep. I'm getting more sleep. Um yeah, it's kind of I let her sleep with me now. And uh funny enough. She likes to sleep in when she sleeps in my bed, but when she sleeps in her crate. Oh, no. She's learning. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And she, you know, acts like she deserves 100% of my attention. (laughs) Kind of does. Yeah. Yeah, she does. She's a cute girl. She could That's awesome. All right, Thank you so much, Tyler, for coming on. I just want to thank you again. I know the guys just said that, but good luck this fall on your fishing hunts and duck hunts and buck hunts and all that stuff 
and uh, keep Carbon busy. And uh, definitely, definitely looking forward to having you on again this this fall and or winter or both. So, <laughs> for uh, Guru 3.0 and more. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck, boys. Tight lines. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, cheers. Have a good evening. Peace. All right. Well, we can't thank the guru for coming on again. That was awesome. Got a few little uh, fall ninja tricks with sucker fishing and kind of the change of the change of the seasons within the fall. Um, kind of got to talk through that with him, which was really cool. And even a little sneak peek of some Canada stuff. So that was great to hear uh, for our hopeful trip next year. But uh, let's let's move it on to some some other important topics. Merch God, Brian Eckel, where are we at? with everything what's going on uh well i'm pretty stoked i finally got my prototype sweatshirt uh, i've been repping it ever since i got it a couple days ago while i was up north but uh looks like that new stuff is getting close uh shouldn't be too much longer here that big order's coming in um i'm thinking maybe next week might be posting the giveaway so stay tuned on the instagram for that and uh yeah we'll we'll see what happens stay tuned for another update okay sounds good so Wait. it's it's been ordered is that is that what i'm hearing correctly yeah yep okay, correct so it's been ordered it's in the works it'll be coming out soon all right all right just want to make sure i got all my facts straight here <laughs> um and then uh you know for our common man musky segment this week we're just gonna push it off till Till next week, stockpile a few more stories um, from you guys. So if you do have any submissions, uh, again, you got any cool fishing stories um, that happened to you this summer, uh, can really be anything. You know, it doesn't have to be like a personal best fish or anything. I mean, we've had some really great feedback from some of the stories we shared last week. So we uh, we really appreciate you guys sending those over to us. And again, that can be, um, you know, sent over via Instagram to our muskies on tap page, uh, or feel free to just shoot me a text max, uh, at 920-205-9192. So either way you want to get those to me, uh, that they're all greatly appreciated. And we love sharing the stories from you guys on here. Um, but Gus, take us home here, man. It's late. We've had a long weekend. I can tell Brian's half asleep over there already. So I know he needs to go to bed. Uh, but yeah, take us away. Yeah, before we get sent off here, remember to check out our Instagram page, Muskies on Tap, and also my guide service page, at Suggs Fishing. You can also find me on Facebook, add me as a friend, Gus Manti, or my guide service page, which is Suggs Fishing Guide Service on Facebook. So you can also get in touch with me and my cell phone if you just want to talk fishing or book a trip. And that's 920-264-3816. Before we sign off here, I want to thank the guru again for giving us a stellar interview, great nuggets, and uh, can't wait to talk to him again. So I think that uh, I think that wraps it up on my end. and And I just want to Wish everyone out there the best of luck on the start of September for some stellar fishing, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be getting out as much as possible. Got some more trips coming up. Had some good luck lately, 
had some more first muskies. We've had some PBs. I'm hoping to keep on breaking that and getting some more in the boat and just, uh, and going after big fish. So Brian, you want to take us away? Bring some heat here, Brian. Yeah, I just, you know, I just got to say everybody, uh, I'm sure everybody's a little banged up from celebrating the great uh, holiday of Labor Day. Shout out to the troops. Thank you for your services. And, uh, you know, we were all blessed to celebrate accordingly. Uh, But now, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting into September here. It's going to be coming that month of that good suck. Make sure to load up at your local bait shop. Get all the gear you need because big fish are on the move. They're looking for that sucker. And they're going to be passing up the opportunity. (laughs) Peace.